0: We're going to continue our study in uh, Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 5, The Hard Sayings of Jesus. As well, we're going to be in John's Gospel, Chapter 16, and Psalm 34. (coughs) Once again, Matthew, Chapter 5, John 16, Psalm 34. Um, I think you noticed, Explore, our Vacation Bible School is getting ready to start. And guess what? I'm looking at all my volunteers. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Only a few of you spoke. (laughs) We need about 300 volunteers at a minimum to do the Vacation Bible School that we've got planned. And so... Maybe the summer's the time for you to take a break. Well, maybe God's given you a break so that you can serve him at Vacation Bible School. So why don't you check us out and see how you might be able to get involved to give kids Jesus August 1st through the 5th. And like I said, we need several hundred volunteers. Amen? amen. You, know, you know amen means I agree. Okay, all right. So I expect those sign-ups, right? God bless you. Do you know we had 74 people baptized yesterday? Praise the Lord. What a blessing indeed. Matthew chapter 5, John 16, Psalm 34. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you grateful that you've given us the word. And today, with the word, would you give us peace? And Lord, I pray... That with the peace that you've given us, we would be peacemakers. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of your word. It's in your name I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew's gospel, we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You're about to see pictures of my children, pictures of nine of my kids and my new children. They're my, son, my son-in-law and my daughters in law And you're going to see that they, especially my sons and daughters, they, oh, there's my oldest right there. You see, they resemble me. There's another one right there. Some of them you'll look at and you'll go, wow, they look physically like you. I mean they have your facial features, your nose and your eyes. Oh, there's the baby. We love him. Oh, and there's the blondie. We love him too. Some of them, well, I may have to tell you that they're my sons, but make no question about it. As you got to know them, you would get to know that they are like me. They resemble me. All of my kids, they they've got my spirit. They've got that quirky personality and they've got that outgoing nature. They're not shy about anything. In fact, at our dinner table, There are 15 conversations going on at one time, and there is no privacy. You'll hear someone go, "Uh uh-oh, so who's Will in your life? And then everybody, Will, who's that? Do you want to tell us? Did you go on a date? What's going on? In fact, our dining room table is so chaotic that we had dinner with a lady last week. She stopped us with a yell in the middle of the uh, dinner and said, could we please just focus on one conversation? And we went right back to our 15 conversations. It was a lost cause because they're all like me, multitaskers. I'm the dad. That's why they've got the name Lo. I've passed on some of who I am to them. In the same way, we've been born again. And we are partakers of the divine nature. Let me tell you what that means. We get some spiritual DNA when we get saved that God gives us and we begin to resemble him. We take on some features as the Lord. And one of his features is peace. That's why Jesus blesses us with peace because it's the nature of God. They got to know when Jesus was right, when Jesus said this. It was in the days of turmoil in the land of Israel. You see, Roman rule, they were occupied by the Romans. Let me tell you about the Romans. Violence in the gladiators' arena. Wars and conquer and death and bloodshed. But it's no different than our world today. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but just two weeks ago, the Department of Homeland Security issued a warning that enemy nations are stirring up the pot in the United States of America because they've realized it's so chaotic and so divided if they simply just stir the pot, they believe they can destroy us from within and not have to attack us. That was an announcement from the Department of Homeland Security. Let me ask a question. What does all this war, violence, and antagonistic behavior produce? Nothing. Nothing. Ask Johnny Depp and Amber Heard what it produced for them. (laughs) They've lost their careers. They chose to go to war, and it was more damaging than choosing the blessing of the path of peace that Jesus wants to bless us with. He blesses us with the path of peace to protect us from the destruction of the chaos. But We need to understand that peace. And there are five things today that I want to express to you about the peace of God and the fact that we are peacemakers. And we're going to find it, turn with me, to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, we're going to pick it up in verse 33. And within the context of this verse, as we dissect it, we're going to see five incredible things about being a peacemaker because Jesus has blessed us with the opportunity to be a peacemaker in the chaos of our world. John chapter 16 verse 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Now these are Jesus words. They're red letters in my Bible. Let's go on. In the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer. I am Have overcome the world. Well, if you're going to be a peacemaker, there's one very important thing that you need to know of our list of five. You need to know the person of peace. Would you write that down as you're taking note? The first and very point is that we need to know the person of peace. His name is Jesus. Look what he says here These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Because wrapped up in the life of Jesus, humanity can fully understand the peace of God and having peace with God. Not the winners of the Nobel Peace Prize. No, the image and the person of Jesus Christ is where we will learn peace. Let me explain why. You'll see it on the screen at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 16. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3:16, the Bible says, "Now may the Lord of peace, keep that phrase in your mind. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in some of your ways." Okay, Calvert Chapel South Bay. This is the 12:30 service. If anybody should be awake, it's you. Does it say some of your ways? even when you lose your job even when you're diagnosed he says now may the lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way the lord be with you all do you remember when the pharisees started arguing with jesus about the sabbath you know how jesus ended the argument he said this i'm the lord of the sabbath you can't tell me how to operate the Sabbath. I created the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath. I control the Sabbath. I'm the governor of the Sabbath. So you expressing to me how you think the Sabbath should go? No, no, no. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath in the same way Jesus is the Lord of peace. In fact... In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the prophet is writing about the Messiah, and he says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that phrase, the understanding of it, he's the governor of peace. He's the standard bearer of peace. Have any of you ever seen those posters of the Marines and that says, be a Marine? And it's this guy or this gal, and they're like the image of perfection, like the chiseled face. They're holding the sword. The suit is on. And if you want to be a Marine, you look at this person, and you go, ho, oh, 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 I want to be like that standard bearer of the Marines. Can you imagine if the poster was of me? Okay, you're laughing too, a little bit too much, all right? Can you imagine if the poster was me, and I'm standing there? People would look at that and go, I'm going Air Force. I am not going to be like that guy. I mean, scrawny little buck 80. No way. I mean, come on. That's not what I'm going to be. No, the Marine is the standard bearer. That's the person that they put on the picture. When you go to heaven, the picture of peace is going to be Jesus. Peace. Because he is the Lord of peace. He defines peace. I was in the mall the other day and I saw one of those like beautiful pictures. It's a lake. It's got the mist coming off the lake with the mountain. And you can see like the, 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 the lake is so clear that you can see like a mirror, the mountain in the lake. And on the bottom of the lake, it, on the bottom of the picture, it said, peace. I've been on one of those lakes and I've been on one when a storm came up in a canoe. They're not that Peaceful. Just ask the disciples. They went out on the Sea of Galilee. The mist of the morning was there. They're going to cross on the other side. It's so peaceful that Jesus falls asleep. Then all of a sudden, a storm comes up, and the boat is being so beat by the water, it's falling apart. And one of the disciples, I'm sure it was Peter, goes up to Jesus and goes, we're going to die. Don't you care? Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever been in the storm of life and you look up to heaven and go, do you care about me? Is there anyone besides two people in this church that understand what I'm talking about? You've been in a storm in your life and you feel like, God, where are you? Are you, do you know I was going to lose my job? Do you understand what's going on in my life? Well, you're in, you're in cahoots with the disciples and you know what Jesus did? He ain't rocked. Bible says he got up, he looked at the storm, and he said this, peace be still. You know why he said that? Because he's the governor of peace. He's the prince of peace, and he's always leading in every situation to the place of peace. And as the Lord of peace, he has chosen as the master and the Lord to give us that peace. It's John chapter 14, verse 27. You'll see it on the screen. My peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The disciples are freaking out. Jesus has just told them he's terminal. He's going to die on a cross. You're my job security. You feed me like you're my food stamps. You protect me from the Pharisees. What do you mean you're going somewhere? You can't leave me here. And what does Jesus say? No, 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 no. My peace is with you. I know what life is going to be. I know what's before me, the chaos of the cross. But I'm giving you my peace. I'm a parent, you're born again, and I'm passing my spiritual DNA of peace to you. Now, it's not like the world. It's nothing like the world's peace They try to find peace in relationships and money and material things. But we have a peace that's within. When we lived in Africa, we always used to say, when at peace, prepare for war. That's not the peace of God where you're always preparing for war. No, God's peace doesn't depend on a circumstance. God's peace is a peace that passes the understanding of your circumstance. It passes the understanding of your present situation and it leads you to a place of victory. You know why? He's the person of peace and he's given you peace. Secondly, the practice of peace The practice of peace. Would you look again at John chapter 16? John chapter 16, we're going to read it again, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Did you read that? These words I have spoken to you. My word will give you peace. There's the practice of peace. It's Psalm chapter 85, you'll see it on the screen. Psalm chapter 85, verses eight through 10. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For, listen to the confidence, he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together righteousness and peace. Peace have kissed. Now, if you're dating and you just leaned over and said, I told you kissing was in the Bible. (laughs) That's not what the Bible's talking about, okay? But I want you to see how confident the psalmist is. And it's important that I catch you up to speed what's, what's going on in Israel. It was a tumultuous time in the land of Israel. There were wars all around them. And the psalmist, with so much stress and anxiety and chaos around him, he knew that if he went to God, God would speak a word of peace to him. He had absolute confidence, absolute confidence in God, that no matter what was going on around him, that the thoughts of God would be peace for him. David. He ran from Saul. David. David. His own men wanted to kill him one day, and the Bible said that he had to find his strength in the Lord. The children of Israel, they loved him one day, they hated the next. Do you know what that David wrote? Oh, sure you do. It's Psalm chapter 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he says, He leads me beside the tumultuous waters. No church. He leads me to still waters. He's always guiding, no matter what rocky crag I have to go over, he's always guiding me as the good shepherd to the place of peace. He's always leading me to those quiet waters. That's why, as a believer, it's important for me to be the person of the Word. Because the Word of God will give us peace. It comforts us in our heartaches. It guides us in our indecisions. It assures us despite our anxiety. Eleven years ago, my brother died. His plane went down in an F-18 Super Hornet. And I... My kids all wanted to go see Top Gun. I'm still kind of processing can I handle the movie? You know, it's naval, all the naval pilots and all of those things. And I know it's the best movie that's out there, but I'm giving myself a little bit of time. A couple of months after my brother died, my uncle who raised me in the Bahamas, he died. So I flew to the Bahamas and on my way to the Bahamas, we were the last flight out. A hurricane hit. Story of my life, if it's going to go bad, it goes bad, okay? That's just how it goes. I get there, and my dad, who was on the flight behind me, wasn't able to come to the Bahamas for the funeral. So at the end of the funeral and the end of the hurricane, a few days later, we got on a plight and we headed back home. I went to my dad's house, and I found him dead in the backyard. In three months, I lost three people that were very important to me. People I love. But I couldn't be son and I couldn't be brother. I was the pastor. I had to do the funerals. Four months later, it hit me. I found myself in the middle of November sitting on the couch and I couldn't get up. Four days. Four days, I couldn't get up, and I just, I I didn't have any motivation. I wasn't inspired. I just was depressed and sad. Like, I know some of you came here today. Finally, my wife was so concerned, she called a friend of mine. She says, hey, you need to come over. Like, he ain't getting up. Before he came over, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, read Psalm 143. You don't need to turn there. I got it memorized. And in that psalm, the psalmist wrote, the enemy persecutes my soul. And I thought to myself, my God, you know exactly where I'm at. I felt like God was telling me I know where you're at. The enemy persecutes my soul. I've entered into a dark place. And then the next verse is, remember the days of old. And I thought to myself, You're giving me the stairway to heaven. You're showing me how to come out of this. I felt like God was saying to me, remember who I am. Remember what I've done for you. And then the last verse is revive me. And I thought, Lord, you're not allowing me to enter into this chaos and this suffering to destroy me. You're actually using this to show yourself to me. And you're using this to revive me. Lord, I want to trust you. And all of a sudden, I got up out of the couch because God's word spoke peace to me. And my friend, my friend came to the house and I go, dude, you can go home. I've had God. I'm really good to go. You see, the word of God speaks peace to us. But I want you to see something else. I had to get up off the couch I couldn't just sit there and wallow in my self-pity. God had spoken and I had to do something with his word. Would you look at Psalm 85? You're going to see the context of it. There in Psalm chapter 85, verse 10, on the screen if we could. Take a look at the last three lines. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Here's what the psalmist is saying. There is an intimate relationship with knowing God's word, the righteousness of God's word, and putting it into practice as compared to the peace that's in your life. Righteousness and peace have an intimate relationship. Jeremiah knew that. Oh, it's our plaque verse. You know Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah, who did not have in over 60 years one convert, He was ministering to a rebellious nation. He writes to the nation, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts of peace. Can I tell you something? We know the thoughts of God. The thoughts of God are in his word. Because out of the abundance of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He's given us his word. We know his thoughts, and his thoughts are to lead us to the place of peace. And so if we practice being in his word, we will be a people of peace. Amen? Amen. Number three, I want you to write it down. The pursuit of peace. The pursuit of peace. Would you look again at John chapter 16, verse 33? The Bible says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. How many of you have that verse up on your uh, walls as a plaque? When they come in your house, they see, In this world, you will have tribulation. It's a beautiful Thomas Kincaid picture, and on the bottom of it, it says, In this world, you will have tribulation. Someone name and claim that verse. (laughs) But in that verse we discover the will of God. Now, you may not like it, but it's true. Let me read it again. In this world, you will, God's will, you will have tribulation. Now, I know none of you want a Thomas Kincaid picture with that on, its, on the bottom of it. None of you, you come into my house, it's asked for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Imagine if you came in my house and on it was John sixteen thirty three. In this world, you will have tribulation. You'll run out. But the truth of the matter is, all you have to do is look at the nightly news to know how true God's word is. There is tribulation and chaos all around us. How many more school shootings will we see? And we look at this world and we say to ourselves, how can we have peace? The psalmist gives us the answer. Would you go to Psalm chapter 34? Psalm chapter 34. And see the answer that the psalmist gives us in order to have peace in this world. Psalm chapter 34. I'm going to pick it up in verse 12. It's a verse that I ask you to keep your finger in. Psalm chapter 34, verse 12. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? In other words, who wants peace in their life? Now he gives a list. Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Listen carefully. Who wants a happy life? Who wants a peaceful life? Seek peace and pursue it. Do you know that this is the psalm that Peter chooses to reiterate in 1 Peter? But I need to remind you of who Peter's writing to. He's writing to the suffering church. He's writing to the church that had been dispersed because of persecution. You see, there was a fire in Rome and Nero blamed the Christians. You see, Christians at that time, they called themselves the light of the world Nero twisted it and said, they call themselves the light of the world. They must have been the ones that burned Rome. So you know what he did? He developed a cylindrical little cage that all you could do is stand like this. And then he dipped you in oil, put you in the cage, and lit you on fire while you were alive. And then he would take his chariot and he would go through that all of the Christians that he lit on fire and he would proclaim, you call yourselves the light of the world, then shine my path a light for me. And he would burn them alive. It's to that church, Peter writes, who is it? Who's the man that desires life and loves many days they may see good? Who is it that wants peace? It surely couldn't be that they were having this fantastic life. They're being thrown in the gladiators arena. They're being lit on fire. What in the world? And why would Peter choose that verse? Because in that verse, there's a prescription for us to have peace despite the chaos around us. The Bible says, seek peace and pursue it. There's the prescription. You'll see it on the screen. It's Ephesians chapter two, verse 14. Listen to what Paul writes to the church. For he himself is our peace, who has, who has made both one, and I'm gonna explain that in just a moment, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He is our peace. He broke down the wall. Let me tell you what the wall was. There were Jews And there were Gentiles in the church. The Gentiles called the Jews mutilators of the flesh. You see, they believed in the body. And that's why they would, when they had their Olympic games, they would all be nude because they thought the human body should be worshipped. And so they looked at the Jews and they thought, how could you circumcise the incredible human body? You're a mutilator of the flesh. (laughs) The Jews? You know what they call the Gentiles? Dogs. Now, all of a sudden, the mutilators of the flesh and the dogs are getting saved and they're sitting in church. But there was a wall. The Jews sat on this side and the Gentiles sat on that side. And when they would worship with fellowship and come together, the Gentiles would go to walk towards the Jews and go like this, woo, and turn around. They wanted nothing to do with the Jews. And Paul had to solve this problem. It was a racial tension that he had to say, Jesus is our peace. Jesus broke down the wall. And I'm going to let you know how he broke it down. He went on a cross and he died for our sins. So if you're going to seek peace in our chaotic world, you need to look to the cross because seeking peace is going to involve great personal sacrifice. In our chaotic world, for you to be a peacemaker, it will take great personal sacrifice because there is Jesus on the cross and as they are hurling insults and they're mocking him telling him come down from the cross you call yourself God he on the cross looks at them and says father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing you see he sought peace but he also pursued peace You see, he broke down the wall. He was passionate about you having peace with God. So he didn't just stay in heaven. He said, here am I, send me. He pursued peace. And that is our example. Not only do we have peace with God, but we need to be peacemakers out in the world pursuing people that they can have peace with God as well. And let me tell you, pursuing peace is going to involve great personal effort you gotta put some oomph in it that my friends is going to be for us the pursuit of peace you see a peacemaker is someone who makes peace you have peace with God and now you want to give peace fourthly let's take note The posture of peace. Go back with me to John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. Let's move beyond our plaque verse. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. So you're going to have to pursue peace in this world. Look at this next line. But be of good cheer. Number four, if you're taking note, there's a posture of peace. There's a posture of peace, a cheerfulness. It's not something that we conjure up to be fake as we put a smile on coming into church. No, it comes from within us because Jesus is in us and greater is he that is in in us than he that is in the world. He's greater than our circumstance, greater than our experience. There's a posture of peace, but this good cheer? Jesus, what are you talking about? You just told us you're going to leave us. You want us to be cheerful? Well, let me communicate what he's telling the disciples. You see, this word in Greek also means take courage. He knew what the disciples were going to need. They were going to be needing courage if they were going to be peacemakers. In our history of the world... Unfortunately, we can communicate there was World War II. And there was a man that rose as a leader during World War II by the name of Winston Spencer Churchill. The nation of Great Britain was going to fall, Germany was bombing them every single night. Children were moved out into the, uh, out into, uh, the country. That's where we get C.S. Lewis's The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, The Great Chronicles of Narnia. But this was a time when Germany seemed to be winning the war. And Winston Churchill, he knew it. So he got on the radio one night, and this is what he told the nation. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward into broad, sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will say, This was their finest hour. And after this speech, the nation of Great Britain rallied around the courage of their leader. And that's why Jesus speaks as the leader of the Christian church be of good cheer. It's his Churchill speech, and he's more than Churchill. He is Jesus the Christ. He is our peace who has broken down every wall. You see, there is a posture of peace. Because I need to let you know something. There can be division even here at Calvary Chapel South Bay. And do you know that there are people that came to church today that are sad? There are some people that came to church today looking for a smiling face or someone to say, I love you. There are people that came and their father wasn't as good to them as maybe your father was to you. They've come looking for peace. And what did you give them? Well, in the first church, there was an issue about eating food to idols. It was a theological issue. And there were some that thought to themselves, well, we can eat food offered to idols. And there are some who thought to themselves, we can't. So Paul he has to do a, a Churchill speech. He's got to speak into it and rally the church to be unified and there's a posture that he gives the church. Would you take a look? It's Romans chapter 14. You'll see it on the screen. Romans chapter 14 verse 16. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God, listen to the law of the kingdom of God. He's not eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. You see, there's a law in heaven. There's a natural, or let's say supernatural law in heaven. And the law of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. And I need to let you know, you're a citizen of heaven now. So righteousness, peace, and joy are how we operate. It's how we're ruled by. Okay, let me give you an illustration. Watch me. Everybody watching? Everybody watching? Watch. Did you catch it? Okay, one more time, okay? okay here we go. Did you catch it? What law am I operating in? Can I get around it? Like, if I jump off this stage, will I float over to you? No, all buck 80 of me is gonna hit that floor. Okay, I'm going down because I'm living in the law of gravity. I can't get around it. The reason why Jesus has given us peace, because the supernatural law of the kingdom for believers is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's why he blesses us as a peacemaker and speaks to us be a peacemaker how do I do that? He said in Romans 14, edify. Don't tear each other apart. Edify one another. You know why it's Named Hike Sunday? Because I'm tired of going, hey, brother. Hey, sister. Your name's not hey. I want to know your name and I want you to know my name. So I'm constantly going, hey, my name's Chet. We know. Like, we know your name. I know, but I I want to know your name. You see, when you come to church, our job and the way that we give peace to each other is we edify one another. We build each other up. And there's a way that we can edify each other as believers. There's a way that we can do it. Let me tell you how. A couple of months ago, a dear friend of mine, he was flying home from Texas in his personal plane, And his plane went down and he died. His widow asked me to do the funeral. And you know my brother's plane went down and he died. So in the middle of the funeral, I started thinking about my brother and I started getting emotional in front of the funerals at Saddleback. So there's thousands of people in front of me and I'm about to lose it. So I prayed while I'm teaching, multitasker. And God spoke to me. I am your peace. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And as Jesus began by his spirit to minister his word to me, all of a sudden I started feeling a courage and a strength. It was my Winston Spencer Churchill speech and he's ministering to me. And now I finish this funeral. I ministered to this, uh, this widow and when I send her a word of encouragement, I don't give her my opinion. I don't give her how I'm feeling. I say, be still and know that God is with you. I give her the word of God because as believers, when we hear from Jesus, it strengthens us to have courage to enter into our chaotic world and be a peacemaker. Amen? Amen? But church, the world doesn't understand the word. They don't have the mind of Christ. So when you walk up to them and they're discouraged and you go, well, praise God, glory, Jesus, hallelujah, fear thou not for God is with you. They look at you and go, what? And when you tell him about Noah, well, let me tell you how good God is. There is a guy in the Bible, his name is Noah, and he was asked by God to build an ark. And then all of a sudden, all the animals of the world came to the ark. You know what they're thinking? You're nuts. You're telling me that someone spoke to someone. They built a boat when there was no rain. First of all, I don't believe that. And second of all, that all the animals just decided, like a wolf and a lamb, just decided to come to a boat and live together for a hundred and some days? Come on. They don't get it. They don't understand it. And so what is our greatest evangelical tool in speaking to an unbeliever? The angels are our example. When they came to announce the birth of Jesus to unbelievers, they said to those shepherds, peace, goodwill to men. The reason he's asked us to be a peacemaker is because the world doesn't know peace. So if you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, they won't know who to come to to receive peace. How many of you remember Y2K? Who remembers Y2K? If you're too young to remember, we despise you, okay? (laughs) Who remembers Y2K? Who remembers Y2K? Do you remember Christians were packing their bags and running to Idaho? I was one of them. I was going to buy a cow and a chicken and me and my family, we were going to make it through Y2K because the world was coming down. And my mom looked at me and she goes, I am embarrassed of you. She goes, when did God stop being your provider and when did God stop being the God of peace that you're running around with your chicken like a chicken with your head cut off? You have a job, Chet Lowe, to represent God on this earth, and he's a God of peace, so stop acting like such a worry wart. My mom is a prophetess. She gives it to you the way that you need to receive it. She's working on the gift of mercy. We're still praying. She's 80 years old. She's actually gotten more braver as she gets older. You see, there's a posture of peace for believers and unbelievers. Finally, here's where we close. There's a perspective of peace. John sixteen thirty three. these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome your problem. I've overcome your circumstance. I've overcome your situation. I see beyond it. Because let me tell you something. He is speaking about the cross and the resurrection and it hasn't happened yet. And he looks at the cross and he says about the cross, despite its chaos, I have overcome the world. Let me give you number five. The perspective of peace is victory. Victory. It doesn't matter your diagnosis. It doesn't matter your loss. When he sees, he sees victory. Let me give you How? It's Isaiah chapter 26. The prophet speaks to believers and he says this. Open the gates that the righteous nation, that's you, the church, that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. That's why I say it doesn't matter the diagnosis. You see, the diagnosis, the loss of your job, it's just to distract you. It's to get your mind's eye on the something that's around you instead of the person that's within you. But Jesus says, keep your mind on me. And no matter what goes on around you, trust me. Keep focused on me. You have nine kids, right? Been with them every time they go for a walk, start their first walk. So, you know what I do? I get down on my knees, and Andre's holding them on the other side. Come on, look at dad. Come on, look at dad. Keep your eyes on me. Come on. And you know that drunken walk. <laughs> but as soon as they look down, what happens? They drop. Because wherever you put your eyes is where you're going to go. Church, he says, keep your eyes on me. No matter what you're going through, trust in me. I have overcome it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I come before you in Jesus' name, and I'm so grateful for all that you've done. You are our peace. But Lord, I know... There are those here in our body right now and today. They don't know that peace and they need your peace. They've come here broken, hurt, confused and anxious. So, Lord, I pray now in Jesus name, your spirit would move in this place. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.